for tuning in to another episode of Dr. D's Social Network. And I hope you could tell on this episode kind of the budding friendship, the collegial nature, and the interest that both myself and Chris have in each other's work. And I just want to bring to you good people. And Chris Janke is an amazingly awesome guy, very genuine. We're working on a few projects together uh, for a podcast, and I'm excited for you guys to listen to that. And you know, while we talk about fitness quite a bit in this podcast, we also transition to other things like parenting, just what's going on in the world. And um, I hope that we can listen to each other more, hear each other more, and be kinder to each other. And hopefully this conversation shows all those things. So sit back, relax, check out the time I have with Chris. or whatever and i'll just have it started like a random point during the conversation and just whatever seems interesting to me to start it you know? yeah, yeah i do that same thing it, it um different questions will elicit different uh different golden nuggets from the participants so usually it's you know i'll, I'll start with the, the biggest golden nugget the first five seconds and just drop a bomb on the audience <laughs> You're pretty prolific, man, too. I keep seeing all of your episodes come out on uh, on LinkedIn. I see when you put them out there, I'm like, Chris is pushing. He's pushing it. He's like me. He's doing all this stuff, man. My goal was that I said I have to do this every weekday because that's I heard that's when it really makes a dent. Uh-huh. And uh, and I ha- I'm sort of trying to develop more systems to to get you know more people on. And I actually want to bring on you know, repeat guests, you know, bring you back to the podcast again and things like that. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm, well, I, I'm going to be on something again coming up at this panel, I think that you're having coming up, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. The uh, all-star round table. It's fantastic, man. I'm looking forward to it. Actually, I was, and we were saying before we got on air was about, I've been speaking to so many fitness people, which I don't normally do. Not because I don't want to, it's just that because my podcast is like all over the board, I just end up talking to people in like all walks of life doing random things. So when I get to speak to a lot of fitness folks, I'm like, oh, I'm back into this industry, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you are. You're you're talking to everybody. That's great. Oh, man, I got some crazy stuff coming up. I'm always, you know, well, Chris and I are working on a project together through my podcast and I think it's actually, I've been telling a bunch of people about it and they're like, I'm going to listen to that. I'm totally going to listen to that. You know, it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's a non-fitness thing, which I think is interesting for both of us. But in the fitness realm, you know, I've been having a lot of conversations related to like regulation in the fitness industry. How does the industry unite? I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. 
Sorry, there's okay. So I had a little glitch. Uh, yeah, uniting the fitness industry. This is uh, it's probably the million dollar question because there's so many different modalities. There's so many different even within one modality. Let's say like a yoga instructor or a CrossFit teacher or something like that. You have all kinds of different ways to get to the target, right? Like uh, I'm I'm real big on weightlifting, for example. Uh, but I, I don't take my sets to failure ever. And that might completely fly in the face with somebody else who is also into weightlifting. I think though, I, I think we all, no matter what the, the outgrowth is of, of how you do it, I think we can all unite around the fact that movement is going to save us from a lot of degenerative diseases that are afflicting so many people. And uh, in the era of Zoom calls, you know, nobody's moving. So I think we can all definitely agree on that and, and come together in that regard. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of validity to that. And extending on that, if I've had a lot of conversation based off of like, you know, there's a lot of different certifications to be in the fit in the business, especially as a personal trainer. And I mean, I guess I've heard there's some momentum for a unification in that sense, or in many ways, legitimizing, not legitimizing, but kind of making a a pathway that is more in line with like some other professions where it's like, okay, this is kind of a standardized thing. Uh, there's not like 25 million certifications that nobody knows what they are. And so there's a lot of discussion related to that currently. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could definitely see that, uh, you know, personal training has been in, been an industry for a long time, fitness, the fitness industry. Uh, you know, I, I personally just remember like Arnold Schwarzenegger videos from the seventies, <laughs> right? This been like 50 years. And, uh, and I read a lot of books from the old time strongmen of like the early 1900s. Mm. And those guys were all just trial and error, you know, Oh, it worked for me. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm going to write a little pamphlet about it. And, and it's funny here we are in 2020 and you're right. There's still not like a unified path. There's not like one path, right? You, you can go a lot of different paths and there are definitely pluses and minuses to that. I think one of the pluses though is, is specialization. There's so much room for specialization. Uh, again, like do you want to become a huge bodybuilder? Do you want to be more like a yogi? Do you want to do more rehabilitative type of stuff? There, there are definitely a lot of different paths. And it, it is it is maybe going to be a little bit of a challenge to get everybody under the same umbrella. Yeah, I think so. Because I think about it like uh, a few of my clients are um, psychotherapists, things of that nature. You know, when they move, they have to... Um, get their license in a different state. They doesn't just transfer and things of that nature. And there's this rigorous process. So one which we don't have in our business is kind of, and, and you could say, you know, for ease of purpose, ease of it, it's nice. You don't have to, but then on the other side of it, I guess the, it's like, well, you know, how do you know what you're getting? You know, when you reach out for a trainer you know, they may have all these specializations, but maybe the client is really not aware of what any of this means in, in, in their mind. And a lot of the clients, they're not even aware of what they actually want themselves, you know? Yeah, exactly. And there's, 
Yeah, I see what you mean though. I mean, it's like where's the quality control? There there should be yeah. at least a baseline of, you know, anatomy and physiology on uh, you know, different systems in the body and different uh, you know, different things that that are maybe non-productive for people or or almost something like, you know, cuz you said a lot of clients don't even know what they want. I think one of the jobs of a trainer is to know or to have a very clear idea of cause and effect, right? Like um, we're so, we're so much into the lifestyle business that it's like, I know that if I do X, Y, Z on one end, then out on the other end, I'm pretty certain of what the result will be. And so I think there needs to be a lot of that, a lot of uh, what is it? The SEDS principle, right? Specific Mm -hmm. adaptation to demands like, uh, trainers need to have a really good idea of if I do this, then that will happen. If I do this other thing, then this, then that other thing will happen. I think that's probably a good place to start because then you you can sort of train. It's almost like doctors, right? You you have the general practitioner, and the general practitioner knows a little bit about a lot, and then you have the specialists who know a lot about a little, and maybe maybe something in that direction as far as personal training. Yeah. And then I think that provides a really interesting kind of aspect of this. So then I was in a conversation with um, a startup that they're, I might be advising for, and they're talking about, you know, their people are making decisions in the fitness business of like CEOs and stuff. Like, how do I, do I make a decision to have somebody who's really well credentialed, but doesn't have a large following or do I take somebody and have them on a platform who is um, not in the business actually, but they have a huge following, but they're into working out and that whole thing. And I've seen that there's contentiousness with this and both sides and both the, you know, the kind of the large marketing aspect of it. And then kind of the hardcore side of it where you have career long trainers or fitness executives who are like, no, no, we don't want influencers. We want people who are actually in the business type of thing. How do, how do you see that dynamic? That's, that's pretty much it right there. That's the conflict within (laughs) the fitness industry. You have have the people who look good on Instagram and they may or may not know how they did it right there. You know, there's some people, maybe (laughs) they're just young or maybe they're just genetically gifted, uh, you know, or, you know, they've, lifted weights five times in their life and they look like they're a professional bodybuilder just because of their genetics. Uh, and there's a lot of that. There's on the other end, there's, you know, there are like, <laughs> you, you know, like the, uh, the, the stereotypical, you know, let's say like Rocky Balboa, his trainer, right. He's got a big gut, <laughs> uh, but he's the best, but he's the best boxing trainer in the world. Right. Um, <laughs> those are maybe the extremes. And then you, you may have like a hybrid of both. You may have some Instagram influencers who do know what they're talking about. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's the million dollar question is, is which direction do you go? Is it, is it going to be, is it going to be the marketing hype? You know, the muscle newsletter, you know, muscle magazines that you find at, at the drugstore. Or is it going to be um, a little bit more substance? And I think ultimately, there's pro- there probably needs to be a little of both. Uh, I, I know the the influencers are really good at at that motivation, getting you started, getting you hyped about achieving some sort of goal. 
I personally think at some point you need to talk to somebody who knows what they're doing and, and not only for themselves, you know, cause again, somebody could have lucked out and just kind of backed their way into fitness success. Uh, but somebody who knows the principles who can apply those principles to you. Right. And I think that's one of the interesting aspects of it. I mean, you've been in the business a while. I've been in the business a while. And there's a real understanding. Obviously, we'll get to the personal side of it. But in terms of the science side of it, there's there's a lot going on there that if you're not aware of it, um, it can be very difficult to elicit the type of results that the person is looking for. And, and then understanding, you know, bio variability in clients. I mean, I learned this in my formal education so early on in different longitudinal studies. I think the Harris family study is one of the most famous ones have done over many decades and applying a stimulus to people in the same genetically related, you know, controlling for a variety of variables and getting a huge amount of variation in the results, even with, you know, a closely tied genetic component to it that there's a huge amount of bio-variability. So if you're looking to accomplish something that you've seen in a news feed or something like that, or you've gotten a program off of the internet to tell you to do this and that, it, that, that thing doesn't, or that person doesn't actually know anything about you and how you what your response may be to a certain stimulus for it, you know? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. So I think at a certain at a certain point it may have to be a little bit of both. It, yeah. it, it you know it's it's entertaining for sure to watch people who are again they're not always like genetic freaks but sometimes they mm -hmm. are you know the, the guy who can like deadlift seven hundred pounds and for some reason never gets injured and just looks like he man right just a specimen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know if if I did exactly what that guy does. I may or may not achieve the same results, uh, like you yeah. said. So, yeah, I think I think it's interesting. There's always going to be like that sort of superstar that's sort of the role model. And and maybe if we if we if we sort of compare this to sports too. I grew up watching like Michael Jordan. He was you know mm -hmm. I idolized Michael Jordan when I was a kid, and you know Michael Jordan as hard as he worked. Uh, there are some things that you can't train. Like my father-in-law says, you can't teach height. You know, he's six foot six and has huge hands, right? Uh, there's nothing I can do at six feet tall with, I have small hands. There's nothing I can do to replicate what he does in certain areas. So it may be, again, like a combination, but not to say that's bad because watching him inspired me to start playing basketball and I really enjoy the game. Uh, and maybe I had to learn in a different way than, than he would be able to teach. So there, there's some aspect of, of superstardom or like the, the influencers on Instagram where again, they, they may or may not know how to replicate their own results, but that's okay. It's not, it's not a knock against them. It's just a, you know, take it with a grain of salt. If, if somebody who has a very easy time getting a six pack, for example, is trying to teach you how to get a six pack, they may or may not be able to help you with that. All right. Yeah, for sure. What do you, you know, as you, as you're very prolific with your podcasts and uh, with lots of guests and all these conversations, what have you learned 
from your guests, kind of some high points that you've learned from all the conversations um, that you've had? I, I There are two big things. Uh, one is one of the questions that I ask to the trainers is, uh, what do you do when one of your clients falls off the wagon? And I love the answer. Almost every single trainer says the same thing. It happened, get over it, move on, learn from it, but realize that you don't have to be a perfect person to be healthy and fit. You know, you've, so what you fell off the wagon and, and a few of my guests have even said things like there is no wagon. You're, this is, you didn't fall off and now you're going to get back on. It's all a part of the process. And to beat yourself up over any decision that you've made in the past is uh, one, it's not effective. And two, it can be actually counterproductive because it can take your energy from what you're trying to do today moving forward. And then the second thing that I've really enjoyed with my guests is listening to their motivational speech. So the last question I ask is, uh, a college has called you in to give the talk to all the graduates. So you're talking to 21, 22 year olds. And in one or two minutes, you, you need to give them a motivational speech. Some of these speeches are amazing. And even, even a, a guest who up until that point has had sort of very like uh, very dry and very technical, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just talking about their specific niche or something like that. They just dig, it's like they dig into this reservoir of just speaking purely from the heart. It's just incredible hearing these motivational talks. I I almost want to take like all the talks and string them together and make like a montage of these motivational speeches. They're really amazing. That's a good idea, actually. I really like that idea. Now, yeah, actually, I mean, uh, you got the creative juices flowing now, (laughs) you know? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's been the most surprising part? Of, what's been the most surprising part of doing the podcast? Uh, I think, I you know, I think the most surprising part is just how open everybody is to sharing, and and just it's it just it's amazing. Like when I reach out to them, most mostly I reach out on LinkedIn, and it seems like people are just so flattered, and. Um, so that's just been really great and and just they're just so open and forthright with their responses and uh, I remember I interviewed one woman I was uh, to be honest I was very intimidated because she has she is one of those Instagram influencers that we were just talking about she has more than 50,000 followers on Instagram and she's prolific with her posts and she's super fit and she was a fitness model for bodybuilding.com and uh, so I was a little intimidated at first to be honest and she was just super nice, just like anyone else, and very, just very, um, very open. Gave great answers, and just very nice, very friendly. It's just, it was just a, it was very refreshing to to talk to her. It was very awesome. That's great. Have you ever had uh, any weird times or like episodes where you're like, this was a strange one? I mean, you don't have to call anybody out. Obviously, I don't want you to do that, but. Have you had moments where you're like, this is going in a different direction, you know? Yeah, I think there, um, fortunately nothing that's been really weird or strange. Uh, but there have been a few episodes where the person just came out and and I, you know, I tell my guests beforehand, I say, look, I'm going to give you a chance to plug your whole system, your, your training business, your product, whatever it is. I, I'm going to trust me, but 
I'm, I, I'm, I like the 90-10 rule or even the 95-5 rule. Give all kinds of value. And then at the end, tell people how they can contact you and what you're doing and what kind of products you sell and stuff like that. But after you've given immense value. And that's my, that's my kind of, that's my philosophy. And I know a lot of, a lot of people adhere to that philosophy as well. And uh, yeah, I just had, I had one person that just went on and on and on in the first minute about their product. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I, I was polite. I let them finish and I might've interrupted them at the end, but uh, I, I cut out a lot of what they said just because it just, it was just too much. Like even I was getting turned off by it and I was a believer in what they did. So <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's, it really shouldn't take that long to convince somebody that what you have is good. And, and I think the way to do it is just to give, give, give. And then at a certain point, the right people will want more of it and they will call you, they'll email you, whatever. Yeah, most definitely. Actually. And I, I'm a big proponent of that. And it's funny for me. It's like when I'm doing these podcasts and stuff, like a lot, most people don't even know what I do. Actually. I never talk about it. I just want to have good conversation with people. Like I just want to like, in the last couple episodes I, I did, like, I remember I talked to the person offline after and I was like, Oh my gosh, we never even talked one thing about what you do professionally. And they were like, oh, that's okay. I just wanted to have a nice conversation. And I was like, exactly. That's like Great. totally what I'm into is like just two people chatting and getting to know each other. In some ways, that feels very lost on us these days. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, I think it's great to just get out there and have conversations with different types of people. And, and I always try to remind people that really – deep down we're all the same we're all we all really want the same things uh, you know it it expresses itself differently on the surface uh, you know with uh style of clothing that we wear or with what we like to listen to or you know recently uh it's in the news more political beliefs right um or what we look like you know where we come from but ultimately we really all do want the same thing and I, I, I think these one-on-one conversations are very important. Again, one-on-one, it's just me and you, and we're using our voice. We're not texting each other back and forth. We're not, you know, having like a Facebook argument, you know, things like that. <laughs> because I think, there's something, <laughs> I think there's something that's very valuable about just speaking to another human being. And uh, it's, you, can't get, you can't get tribalistic with a, just another individual, Right. Whereas mm. when we're posting on our Facebook group or we're posting about what we feel about the election or we're posting about this or that, uh, it's really easy to say, I either agree with you or I disagree with you. And to immediately jump on that, uh, when in reality, I think there, there's so many more nuances. And also, I could vehemently disagree with you about something that's very superficial but completely and wholeheartedly agree with you on something that actually is meaningful, which I think is, is like you said, it's lost on, it's lost in the world of social media because I, I liken Facebook and Twitter and all those platforms to uh, like passing notes in class. <laughs> it is, it's, you never hear tonality. You never hear if somebody's joking. 
uh, and it, and it is, it's just like passing notes in class. Whereas that one-on-one conversation like you and I are having, it's, it's meaningful and it's more, I think it's, I think it's more in line with what we need as people than feeling artificially connected to people who are passing the same types of notes that you are. Right. Yeah, completely. And I have a good example of this as in this book I was reading a while back, I think it's called the opposite of hate. And it's a pretty good book. It's a little bit of backgrounds by this lady who was a journalist for Fox News. She is, identifies herself as being a Democrat, but working for Fox News, which is very conservative. And people ask her, why? How could you do that? She's like, what's the big deal? I'm just working for a place. You know, I'm giving my point of view. But anyways, with that background, she uh, got trolled a lot on Twitter. And so she made her a mission to actually find out um, who these who the people were who were trolling her. Um, make sure they were real people, because sometimes these are not real people. Everyone just newsflash, um, and 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 actually call them and talk to them about what they said to her. And once they had that communication one on one, she often found out that the trolls actually weren't bad people. And actually, after doing all this data and research and calling all these people, I mean, they had this huge thing about it. Most of the people, the reason why they trolled other people is because two reasons. One, they didn't think the person would actually see what they wrote. And two, they were just bored. They didn't have anything else to do and they figured, why not just do it? And I don't know if that says a lot about, <laughs> that sounds kind of weird also too, but in the sense that once you start talking to people who are saying weird things, once you start making people explain why they do certain things, it often crumbles the trolling because they don't really have a good reason why they're doing and having these passing notes type of thing in a negative way. So having one-on-one conversation is critical, I believe, because it, it breaks the, the wall and when you have to explain yourself and why you believe something, how you came to that belief, how you continue to nurture that or not, it really, it's the test then of whether you actually are really into the thing you're doing and can articulate it, or actually you're just pr- providing processed information that you think has no accountability with it. Yeah, that's a good, I think that's a great point about the the no accountability thing too. They never thought that that person would actually see it. Yes. Yeah. But I think that's that's very needed in our world too. I I thought of this idea a while back. I, I may end up doing this down the road after I get some momentum with my current podcast. But I thought it'd be cool to have a podcast called the Disagreement Sandwich, or something like that. And I, that's like an intriguing name. But basically, get two people who, on the surface, completely disagree about something, and it's probably going to be politics or religion or some something like that, and um, have a, a three-part conversation. The first and the last part of the conversation are talking about things that they agree about. And the middle part is where they disagree. So start it out, get on, you know, good faith, get to get to know each other, meet each other. Uh, what do we have in common? You know, talk about your family, this and that. Then get into the, the meat of it where, hey, you know, we really disagree on this one thing. And then end it out with, with some pleasantries and, and like some legitimate agreement. I thought that'd be so great to, to unite the sides, so to speak like that. You're like actually trying to do something (laughs) with that. 
<laughs> like that's an awesome idea. Like what a novel idea, Chris. <laughs> right. I think that'd be great. That'd be fun. <laughs> it would be fun. Actually, it's that's it's creativity and it's also filling a need. I would totally listen to that. I think it's very it's very interesting. And try to do that somewhat on what I do. I mean, I have people who have definitely out their ideas on my podcast and I think for me, like, I don't want to sensationalize things and try to like, well, let me, let me blow them up about this crazy thing. I just kind of let them go on <laughs> like, yeah. and then let people make their own decisions for it. But I like this step that you could take eventually about, you know, getting people to actually talk to each other. Cause that's ultimately what we need. We need people to talk to each other. How do we, how do we get people to have um, diversity of thought? with each other. And just because we disagree doesn't mean that we can never be, we can never talk to each other. We can't have conversations, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I went in, uh, it's funny. I, I'm not going to say which side I'm on, uh, but my, my mom and I are on different sides of the abortion, uh, uh -huh. debate. And so she sent me this thing, this, this Facebook post and, uh, it was, it was, well argued, I thought, but it was, it was, I didn't agree with it at all. And I actually commented and I, I, I prefaced the comment kind of with that sandwich thing. Like, um, I know none of you on this post are going to agree with me. Um, however, I just need to say this because I think you've sort of mis, um, misrepresented what a lot of us believe. And, and then I, so I was very polite with it and I was very nervous because again, it's like passing notes in class. Nobody hears me. <laughs> and I actually got some really great responses from them. And they said, they said, we really, you know, I really appreciate you coming in and not attacking us. And likewise, we're not going to attack you. And it was, it was great. And I was very, I was very impressed with that interaction. And then at the end, I, I made sure to not let it linger on too long. I just said, you know, I, I responded. They responded back and then I just wrote back, well, I appreciate your honesty. Thank you so much for, for your courtesy, you know, that you showed me and that was it. And then I, and then I ducked out of there cause I, you know, I don't want a Facebook fight. You know, those are, <laughs> they're not good. <laughs> no, they're not good, but, but you're, but you're mature about it. And see, I think it's, it's how you enter into the fray per se uh, on that. That rhymed. I didn't mean that, um, but uh, but it did. It just rhymed. That's just what you know. But uh, it's how you enter into it, and if you enter into it in that way that you did, which was more emotionally mature, provided kind of the sandwich approach to it, I think people receive it differently. I often say this to people, like you know, the response you get is often about how you level the initial blow for that. And if you go in trying to create offense, you will get defense from other people. You just will. And, and so I think that's what happens. It's kind of like when I had uh, four death row prisoners on my podcast calling in, you know, the lady who set up, she goes, oh, get ready for like all this bad feedback. You're going to get like hate mail. And I'm like, I'm not so sure about that. She's like, oh, no, you probably will. I haven't received one thing negative about it. And I think it's because of how I framed it, how I went into it, how I presented it. And I think that's often the issue is when we have conversations with people, we attack people. We go on offense. It's, a, it's the passing note thing. I see all the time with people on LinkedIn and stuff. 
somebody will say something and it just ignites a flame. And the sad thing is you wonder if they're doing it on purpose to create a wave of that for publicity or if that's just what they normally do. That can be hard to decipher, you know? It definitely can. And I, I um, yeah, sometimes there, there are some posts that kind of boil my blood a little bit. And when I read them, but then I, I, I step back and I, I have a rule for myself that I will never say anything online that I would never say to a person's face mm-hmm. uh, who is, you know, six inches taller than me and a hundred pounds heavier than me <laughs> with big knuckles. Because, it, I mean, y- y- we just wouldn't say that. Like, nobody would be that disrespectful to somebody's face. And we have sort of these uh, these layers of protection, or we think we have layers of protection with social media. And we lose the humanity behind, you know, there's an actual person there. And um, I think that's really I think that's really key going forward. But, uh, Darian, quick question. Are we, are we going to talk about the stories? That we were uh, kids' stories, stuff, all that stuff that we were talking about too. Yeah, man, for sure. Stuff? Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah, I just kind of wind around and do. Yeah, no, I'm really like I'm all over the place, man. <laughs> I'm like maybe that's bad, but I just I like start. I freestyle on everything, man. On, no, on this, even just like when you when you busted out a rhyme and you didn't even know it. It's all your freestyle. And, and I think that's, if that's your personality, then that's what you have to do for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of like, I'm very um, conscientious about scheduling and appointments and all these things. And I would say, generally speaking, I'm, I mean, my personality is very malleable depending on the people in my life throughout the years and things, but kind of my temperament biologically is more of like reserved, more I want to be very like tight about everything. But when it comes to my podcast, I have made a very conscious decision to like, I kind of just don't care and I just don't have anything set. And it's practice for me. It's practice because when I have a conversation with somebody, I don't bring notes. If I meet somebody for coffee, I don't bring notes and go, okay, I'm going to talk about these. I don't even know what I'm going to say. I just say it, (laughs) you know, like. That's great. And I think that, like you said, malleable, you're, you're able to talk again to all kinds of, you know, different types of people or what, whatever type of mood that person's in. And that conversation is going to go one of a million different ways and you're able to ride the wave and hang with it. I think it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Actually, let me clarify the kid stories thing. I want to make sure like, is this our other thing we're doing, we're talking about? Or I just want to make sure on the same page because I could be all over the place sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't know. I, I didn't know if we were going to record that today. Or no, if we were- no. That's another time we have scheduled for that, I believe. So. Oh, did we schedule that? Okay. All right. That's yeah, my bad. Yeah. No, it's okay. You know, it's all good, man. It's all good. In case anybody needs to know. We're doing an incredible series. It's good publicity for this. We're doing an incredible series called Parent uh, Parallel Parenting. And uh, I'm just some background. I am doing about now, it's grown to about six projects with people I feel very connected to. I feel very connected to Chris immediately, the first time I met the guy. And I said, I want to do a project with you, something that's very creative and artistic. And when I talk to Chris, 
I had no clue what we would do. I mean, and maybe on some sense, I was like, well, maybe some fitness thing. But honestly, in my mind, I was like, this seems boring to me, <laughs> even though I'm in, I'm in the business, we're in the business. And you came up with this idea about stories about our kids and kind of like parallel stories about different moments. And it just really touched me. And I've been thinking about it a lot. I told my wife and she was like, this is a great idea. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be great. So different parallel parenting stories, for example, like remembering when the when our child was born or uh, what were some other ones like talking to them about adult things. That Adults. was one of the, <laughs> that's the talking to kids about adult things. <laughs> wow. And your, your, your daughter is, I think right about the same age as, as my son, right? My son's eight and a half. How, how old is your daughter again? My daughter just turned nine back, back in August. And so all of a sudden we're having these like more adult based conversations, which is kind of strange. Cause you know, it's like when your kids eight and a half, nine, they start to take on this form of looking like a mini adult on some level. So it's Absolutely. just like strange. It's strange to talk to them the way they look. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, it's like a it's like a pre-puberty thing. It's like they really yeah. do change. My son, uh, this maybe started happening about a year ago. He started getting really dense. Like like he didn't really get much bigger, but he got dense, like just muscular, and it was. It was incredible. Mm. I mean, I'm talking in the span of like one month. All of a sudden, he <laughs> weighed 10 pounds heavier, and I would touch his shoulder and be like, wow, you have like the density of a man's shoulder. Even though, you know, he's still small, but it, but it's like dense. Like, touch my shoulder and the muscularity of it, touch his shoulder. It's almost the same. I was just Whoa. floored. Amazing. Wow. That's so weird. That's what I'm saying. It's like stuff like that is like really strange and just... I'm sure as you, you, you know, like you get like interesting answers or replies from your children when you start talking about this. I was just talking to my daughter about this yesterday. I'm like, I'm preparing you to become an adult and these are adult behaviors that you exhibit. And I want you to go out in the world and be good. My daughter's like, yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm like, you do? (laughs) (laughs) It, it, It really is amazing where, you know, even just a couple of years ago, you know, you could, you could say like, Oh, remember to take your jacket or, you know, something like that, which to a little kid and like a four or five year old, it's like, ah, whatever, you know, dad's just talking. But, you know, when you really start connecting again, that, that cause and effect and saying like, you know, when you, when you forget your jacket, you will probably be cold later on. You know, that's a simple (laughs) one. And, you know, when you, when you treat people harshly and, disrespectfully, you know, you might not have friends. And that's a bigger one that, you know, my son was like, Oh, wow. Yeah, I I get that. And, and, and it's like, it's not, I'm not telling you to do this because of anything on me. It's like, son, I want you to, to be, to, to live the best life that you can live. And there are specific effects to your causes. And, um, and, and, and yeah, they're, they're, you know, almost, he's almost nine. He gets it. And, and then my, and then I have three other kids, three daughters, and my next one is six and she's starting to really exhibit that as well. Like there's kind of that switch, right? That yeah. all of a sudden she's like, she, she's talking to me differently. It's pretty amazing. It is amazing. Like kind of that mind jump. Like my wife the other day was saying like, 
I just can't see Rosie like driving in like, you know, six years or whatever, seven years. I said, but you got to understand like that, that chasm that they're going to cross is gigantic. Like at that age, she will be nothing like she is now mentally. And it's going to, but it's hard because you see this child and you see how silly they are. They're so silly. And they say things you're like, this is so ridiculous, but that's, they'll have some of that, but it won't be at that level. I mean, there's a world of difference between a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old. And you don't think it is, but it's huge, actually. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. They, they will literally become a different person in the process of getting to 16 driver's license. Yeah. It's just like, it's mind blowing how much they change for that. So I think, you know, we want to present that in a fun artistic way uh chris i won't say anything but like he has a great story about you know um birth that he's going to share i'm going to share uh a similar story and i I think it'll be enjoyable just to hear something different and that's kind of the real big point of what at least i try to do is i want have i want people to have different perspectives about life and to not have this kind of like monoculture or mono uh, thought process of how things are. It's like, no, there's, there's, there's similarities, but there's also differences. And also you may be in the fitness profession or you may be a dentist or you may be in the landscaping, but you probably have other things you're into too. And it's okay. You should, you should put that out there. You know, if you like playing rock and roll music and everybody else thinks you're very, you're not into that, put it out there, man. Like what's the worst that could happen? They say, Oh, that sucks. You suck. Okay. So what, (laughs) you know, and then find somebody else who enjoys it because there's it's a big world. Somebody's going to like your stuff. Yes, exactly. So it's like, just enjoy yourself. Be you. Somebody likes you. Somebody, I, I'm pretty sure somebody likes you out there, you know. <laughs> and you find, you find your place. You know, I think that's one of the things I would tell myself in my early 20s. It's like, you're going to find your footing. And sometimes it just takes a while, you know. Yeah, it's funny. I was hanging out with a good friend of mine from high school over this past weekend. I, I he, he lives about 30 miles away from me. And, uh, and I just stayed, I just stayed over at his house Friday and Saturday night and we're hanging out and, and chatting. And it was funny. Like he, he, he had to do a little bit of work. He's a doctor now. He's an ear, nose and throat doctor. I've known him since high school. And it was funny. I, I walked into his kitchen I was just getting a snack and I look over and he's on the computer and he's taking notes and he's got his laptop computer and he has two iPads, one on either side of his computer. And he's got all these sophisticated looking notes and projects and stuff. And it just hit me. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. You're a doctor now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and somebody who, and I'm sure, I mean, he's been a, an ear, nose and throat doctor for probably seven years, uh, you know, out of residency and everything. And I'm sure when I'm sure he's like a, a big shot, you know, where he works. I'm sure people listen to him when he says, OK, I'm going to need 300 milligrams of this or what, you know, whatever he says. And I'm because he's doing surgeries. And and to me, he's just, you know, he's my buddy. And I look at him. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. So I, I just thought of that when you said, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a trainer or a dentist or whatever. Uh, it really, you know, as as kids, we were all very you know, you, you like play with anybody, right? I look at my kids and yeah. they'll go to a park and within five minutes, they're best friends with all the kids there. 
<laughs> and uh, we as adults, we we tend to make all these artificial barriers and uh, rules and, and things, and it gets a little bit tedious. So I really do appreciate your podcast and how it's like, yeah, we'll just talk about whatever and with whoever and really, it really doesn't matter. You know, we're just connecting. Yeah. It's just really, I don't know. It's something I feel that is just, they were just losing all the time. And so I'm just like, okay, maybe it's just like a teaching thing. Also teaching people how to do that, this and that. I mean, I have my limits. I will say I turned down one person to come on actually two people as of late. And it, was, it wasn't that they were bad people or anything like that. It's just that um, I didn't feel like it was just a good fit for the show. Like they wouldn't be able to vibe and really have kind of this chill conversation that we're having. And then, well, one guy, it was just, it was just so far out there of like false information. It was like way false information that I was like, no, no I, I can't do this. Like this is like so completely false and misleading that it would, it would, it would tarnish, I think my reputation on some level by having things like that. So I want to have diverse conversation and I feel like I do, but also think it's important to have some boundaries and it's okay to say no, uh, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, but Chris, man, I'm really excited about the work we're doing together, his projects, creativity. Um, I'm enjoying getting to know you better and, and deepen our relationship. So thank you for being on. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Yeah, likewise. I, I, you were one of the first people that I interviewed on the podcast, and I was very nervous getting into it. But I appreciate uh, you know, the connection between us, and it was, a, it was a great episode, a lot of fun. Thank you for this, too. Yeah, most definitely. So there's anything you want to plug, want to get out there, obviously your podcast, please go for it, man. Great. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, my podcast is called Health in the Real World. It's actually a video cast. Uh, so you won't actually probably the best place to find it would be on my business YouTube channel, which is My Core Balance. Uh, also mycorebalance.com is my website. So I'm a, a trainer and I have online fitness programs where I specialize in helping you get a great workout with zero equipment, absolutely no equipment whatsoever. So that's my whole thing. A lot of core, a lot of balancing stuff. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Chris. Make sure you guys check that out. And, uh, you will certainly hear from Chris and I again, uh, either through his video casts. Again, I'm going to be on and then I'm sure I'll have Chris on again and this special parallel parenting series that we're going to be releasing kind of as a slow drip in the new year. So lots of Chris and Darian stuff coming up here. Thanks, Darian. Looking forward to it. You got it. Awesome, man. Have fun. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm happy to happy to join you and yeah, it's awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks everyone. <laughs>